the building here today. God, this presence of peace that we feel right now, we know without a shadow of a doubt that you paid for this. The scriptures say that the chastisement of our peace was upon you. And this presence we feel right now is because you paid a price for us to feel this. And we're in this room right now, and some of us may, may feel so undeserving, so unworthy. But the truth of the matter is this, is that maybe just maybe we weren't good enough on our best day. And that's what adds more glory to the story. That you would come looking for us. For some of us, we didn't even know we were lost. But nonetheless, that didn't stop you, and you found us. And when you found us, you just didn't introduce yourself to us, but you introduced us to a new life, a new mind, a new way, a new code, a new ethic, a new chapter. And we thank you for it. God, we pray right now in your name for the needs of the people, the people in this room and the people that are present, the people not in this room, but the people in this room that are praying for others, standing in proxy, we pray God, that you would heal and that you would restore and that you would do all these amazing things that we read about and we know that you still do these things to this day. This is our faith and our hope. This is what we cling to. God, we pray for the sick, the down and out. We pray for the tormented, the depressed. We pray for those that have lost. We pray for those that don't know how to handle gain. God, we pray that you would give them peace. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. Wow, it feels so good in the house of God today. It feels alive, amen. Why don't you do something? Why, why don't you just turn around? I know we did this earlier, but just turn around, take about 30 seconds, and, and speak a word of life into somebody's, into somebody's uh, heart here today for the next 30 seconds, and then you may be seated. God bless you all. Well, good morning, everybody. Look at all these good-looking people here. That's you. Yeah, you can clap for yourself. You should clap for yourself. There you go. Um, I'll tell you what. Let me introduce myself to some of you. Some of you may not know me, and that's, that's perfectly fine. We, we don't come here for, for anybody else but Jesus. Amen. But my name is Jacob, and I'm one of the team members here at the Promise Center. And let me just say, if you've been coming to the Promise Center, maybe this is your first time, second or third time, or maybe you've been coming for the last six months, we do want to say thank you so much for being here. The truth of the matter is this, is, is that you make us better. Amen? So can we give a round of applause to everybody that has been making the Promise Center better the last six months? We appreciate every single one of you. Amen? Now, on behalf of our pastors, Pastor Chad and Pastor Heidi and the rest of the Promise Center family, we just want to be up front and let you know that we are not perfect, but we do have a conversation with a perfect God. Amen? And so we're all just happy to be here because we were lost in our sins, but then 2,000 years ago, the God-man, Jesus, shows up and he saves us from ourselves and he introduces us to a new life and that's why we clap and that's why we sway back and forth. That's why, you know, we do what we do because we're just excited to be alive. Amen? 
So can we give one more round of applause to Jesus and everything that he's done in our lives? Amen. So um, this last week has been a, a pretty interesting week. How many have ever had an interesting week? Right? And this last week has been somewhat of an interesting week. And, and uh, it's been interesting because of the volume of phone calls that, that I have personally been getting here. And I'm pretty sure that some other team members, some other staff members have been getting some phone calls. But, but I've been getting some phone calls, especially a higher level of phone calls this, this last week. And people have been calling for one of two different things. The first thing is people are calling saying, I'm just really overwhelmed. I'm just, I feel like, like right now in my life, things are just overwhelming. I, I feel like, like I, I don't have control. I, I feel like I'm losing control. I, I just feel like I'm not sure what's happening. I, I don't know what to do. I just feel really, really um, overwhelmed by life. And, and the next reason is because everyone wants to know what's going to go on with the blood moon. Right? <laughs> Now, some of us may not know what the blood moon is, and that's fine. That's good. Don't know. We don't want you to know. <laughs> just go shop. Go have a good time today. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but, um, but everyone's been calling about, about the blood moon, and, and they're saying, uh, you know, Jacob, is, is it the end of the world? And, and uh, you know, should I get a bunch of water and, and things like that? And, and I'm just going to be honest with you. I'm, I'm one of these people that I always like to be prepared. So if you walk into my garage you know, you're going to see a backpack with food and water, uh, you know, because we live in earthquake country, if you're crying out loud, right? I mean, let's just be honest. I mean, you know, I learned a long time ago when the ground started moving and no one asked it to, that was all bad. And, and, I, and I'm not okay with that. So I said, you know what, light bulb, I'm going to get some water and some canned food and try to live it out for like three minutes, you know, three hours. But, but, um, but so I'm not, I'm not a doomsday person at all. And, and so, so, but people have been calling and asking that question. For those of you that don't know, uh, tonight um, there's going to be a supermoon. But it's, this, is, this is significantly special because it's not just a supermoon. It's going to be a, a, a lunar eclipse. And that simply means when the moon stands in between the sun and, and the earth. And, and, uh, and, it, and it disrupts the light from the sun that hits the earth. And what happens is on this side of the moon, you look up and you see the natural satellite. It appears to be red. And, and the reason that it's red is because the sun's rays are trying to get to earth or trying to get our direction. So they wrap around the circumference of the, of the moon and it appears red. So NASA and, and science has coined it a blood moon. Well, religion has also coined it a blood moon as well. And, and the reason that a lot of people are very, very, I guess, it's safe to say they're freaked out, is because um, this is one of those blood moons that happens to be the fourth moon that, that it got really quiet in here. Did you notice that? <laughs> Everyone's like. Um, this, this happens to be the, the one, one of the, the special um, 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 Blood moons, it happens to fall on a four, um, four blood moon series, you know, and the series is, um, um, the reason this is significant is because these blood moons happen to fall on Jewish festivals, and so this is the Feast of Tabernacles that, that the Jews are celebrating today, and there happens to be a super blood moon, 
And so a lot of people are saying, you know, it's the end of the world, and it's doomsday, and, and it's things like that. And, and I was thinking about that as people were calling and, and people were saying, you know, is it the end of the world? Is it doomsday? Is it this and that? And, and it got me thinking, and, and uh, this is what it got me thinking. Um, it got me thinking that it's human nature to always be worried about the end, always be caught up about the end of the world or the end. I feel like I'm at my end. Or when is this trial going to come to an end? Or when is, you know, when is this, this week going to come to an end? I just want to start a new week. And we get so caught up in the end that sometimes we forget that we have an invitation to a brand new beginning. And so for some people, we can, we can live for 30, 20, 40 years so worried about the end. It's the end of the world and the end of time and the end of this. And we're so just, just caught up in this whole end process that every single day that goes by, we lose out on the opportunity to start. Start fresh. So Jesus steps on the scene 2,000 years ago. The God-man shows up. And he shows up. In a very tense global, uh, uh, in, 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 in a very tense situation where the where the local and global climate is is changing, you know, and they have problems just like we have problems in 21st century uh, America and the postmodern world we live in. I mean, he had problems in their day and age, but Jesus shows up, and Jesus begins to start a conversation with people about a brand new beginning, despite knowing that years down the road, they would literally undergo a, an event that would change the landscape of first century Palestine forever, and that was the destruction of the temple. But even though that was coming, and even though Jesus prophesies about that in the latter scriptures of the book of Matthew, the gospel of Matthew, he still does not hesitate to always invite people to know that they can start brand new. Start fresh. Live a new life. You mean it's possible that I can live brand new when I feel like the entire world or I feel like this and that and I feel like, like there's this, this end of time and, and I'm so caught up in these doomsday, you know, theories or whatnot. Do you think, do you mean it's possible? And Jesus says, yes, it's very possible. See, the truth is, is that the mission of Christ here on earth was not to press the restart button on our ecosystem, but was to press the restart button within our lives. As people. And so what's going to happen here, we're going to read a story here in the next few moments um, in the book of John chapter 8. And this story here in the book of John chapter 8 is actually a story about a woman that's caught in the very act of sin and she feels like she is about to meet the end. And just as she's about to meet the end, God uses the circumstance to introduce her to a brand new beginning. Wow, that's amazing. You could clap. Why not clap to that? That's a good thing to clap to, right? So here's the story. The story is, and I have, and I've, I've scanned the audience, so I've had already two of you do this to me. You ready? Two of you have done this. Hold the mic up. Hold the mic up. So I'm going to practice this message holding the mic up, okay? I'm going to hold the mic up because sometimes you just get excited. Uh, John chapter 8, verse number 1. This is what it says. It says, Jesus returned 
to the Mount of Olives, but early the next morning he was back again at the temple. A crowd soon gathered, and he sat down, and he taught them. As he was speaking, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. They put her in front of the crowd. Verse 4, teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. Now the law of Moses says to stone her, but we want to know what do you have to say about this. They're trying to trick him. They're trying to catch him slipping. But they're also doing what their Bible says for them to do. Because Deuteronomy chapter 17 says it like this. It says, 17 verse number 8, Deuteronomy 17 verse 8, it says, Suppose a case arises in a local court that is too hard for you to decide. For instance, whether someone is guilty of murder or only of manslaughter or a difficult lawsuit or a case involving different kinds of assault. Now that sentence, different kinds of assault, it means, that's how it translates to us in the English, but it means whenever two people are involved physically in a way that violates the law. So bring the person to the person that's able to determine what to do. And this is what it says. Take such legal cases to the place the Lord your God will choose and present them to the Levitical priest or the judge on duty at that time. Now let's really think about this for a second. You have to be the luckiest person in the world to be caught in the very act of sin and have Jesus scheduled on duty that day. I mean, how many, I mean, you might as well go get a lottery ticket. Don't go get a lottery ticket. I'm just saying. Like, you might as well because, you know what? You could, you could be dragged anywhere. But to be taken to Jesus, that is unbelievable. To know that Jesus was scheduled that day. And then all of a sudden, they dragged this woman to Jesus. And the Bible says, verse 9, and present them. To the Levitical priest of the judge on duty at that time, they will hear the case and declare the verdict. Verse 10, you must carry out the verdict they announce and the sentence they prescribe at the place the Lord chooses. You must do exactly what they say after they have interpreted the law and declared their verdict. The sentence they impose must be fully executed. Do not modify it in any way because anyone arrogant enough to reject the verdict of the judge or of the priest who represents the Lord your God must die. Whoa. Yeah, that's intense. So they, they say, bring this case to the person that is scheduled and has the authority by God to judge. And whatever he tells you to do, you carry it out to the fullest because if you don't, you yourself are in danger of dying. Wow. It's amazing to me. Um, verse 13. Well, wait, Lord your God must die, and this way you will purge the evil from Israel. Verse 13, then everyone else will hear about it and be afraid to act so arrogantly. So let's go back to John 8. Verse number 6, they were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him, but Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. They kept demanding an answer, so he stood up again and he said, all right, but let the one who has never sinned, throw the first stone. Then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. For the next few moments, I want to do my best, and I want to talk to us about this thought, a search party. Everyone say a search party. 
This does conclude the sermon series called Search, but don't be discouraged or dismayed. That's King James scripture for some of Anyways, we do have an, another sermon series coming up, and it's called Mind Monsters, and we're excited about Mind Monsters. Okay, that's going to be a good, a good sermon series. You don't want to miss that. But right now, this is the conclusion of the Search sermon series, okay? And we're going to talk about a search party. Now, talking about this woman caught in this very act or this situation, she has no idea that her circumstances at this moment are the very thing that is bringing her to Jesus. She has no clue. All she is processing is that she's having a bad day. All that she's processing is that she's having an overwhelming week. All that she's processing is that she's having an overwhelming week, a bad day that is bringing her to her end. That's all she's thinking. But she has no idea that Jesus is using this situation like he would use any other situation to bring people to him. You see, God is the master fisherman. And just like the master fisherman will use a net and cast it into the ocean to catch whatever he can and brings the fish to him, that fish does everything in its power to go the opposite direction, but it can't because it is subject to the net. And that fish learns really quickly that it is at the mercy of the will of the fisherman. And that fisherman drags that fish to him. Guess what? This woman realizes really quickly that her surroundings have just turned into a giant net, and God is using it to bring her to him. She can kick. She can scream, she can fight, she can say whatever she wants to say, but the truth of the matter is this, is that she is at the mercy of Jesus. And she has no idea that heaven at this moment has launched an amazing search party to find her. It's amazing. You see, she realizes at the end of the story that everything that happened to her was God's mercy trying to lure her back to him. Because it's only in the presence of Jesus where you can find the peace that you need. It's only in the presence of Jesus that you can find the comfort and the strength that you need. And sometimes as people, we have a tendency to go off into a distance and God's voice becomes very faint and dim. And then all of a sudden God says, I got to do something to bring you back to me. So all hell breaks loose and, it, and our world turns into a giant net and he begins to pull us back to him. Pulls us back. There's many times in the text where this has happened, especially it happened to a guy named Jonah. Now, God tells Jonah, Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh. Jonah says, nope. Because if I go to Nineveh, you're going to dispense mercy and grace. And God, I don't even like those people. I know right now. You, do you know these people, God? They're, they're so wicked. They're, 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 there's no hope for them. They're lost. But if you send me a preacher to go preach to them, guess what's going to happen? You're going to actually give them mercy. And I don't want that to happen. So I'm going to go the opposite direction. So he ends up on a boat. There's a storm that happens. And the people in that day and age are very superstitious. 
And they say, surely the gods are upset. Someone on this boat has brought us bad luck. And Jonah says, it's me. So they cast him off the boat into the ocean. And just as, I mean, in his mind he thought, things cannot possibly get any worse than this. And a big fish showed up and swallows him up and begins to take Jonah to the depths of the sea. The Bible says that Jonah prays. And he says, God, forgive me for disobeying you. Forgive me for this. Jonah's circumstance has appeared to have swallowed him up. And as soon as God hears him repent, the Bible says that the fish regurgitates him where? The shores of Nineveh. Listen, there's nothing more important to God than us fulfilling our purpose. There's nothing more important to God than us stepping into the destiny that he has for us because he knows that even though we're kicking and screaming and trying our best to get out of this overwhelming situation and we don't know what's going on, we're losing this and we're losing that, we have no idea that that's bringing us to the presence of God himself and that is more important to him than anything else. Because he knows that whenever we step into that perfect purpose, our joy will be restored. Our peace will be restored. Our identity will be restored. Our strength, our authority, our anointing, our spiritual life, everything will be restored once we step into that place that he has prepared for us. Jesus, one of the last things he says before he ascends up on the outer regions of Bethany into the heavens, he says, I go to prepare a place for you. Now, I imagine if we could all close our fleshly ears and open up our spiritual ears, we would be able to hear the hammer in a way of the great carpenter himself as he's preparing a place for us. But it is up to us to prepare ourselves for that place. This woman in John 8 is undergoing the preparation process for a, a, a date with destiny. And they drag her to Jesus. And then Jesus says, let the person that is without sin among you throw the first stone. They all know Deuteronomy 17. They all have to check themselves. They all have to really search deep within themselves and say, well, I can't throw a rock at her if I'm in the same boat as her. So they drop the rock, and they all walk away. July 13th and July 17th of this last year was a, was a pretty significant week, and here's why, because... Um, we launched, or I should say NASA launched the probe, and the mission was to get pictures from Pluto. And, uh, you know, they had some amazing pictures from Pluto, you know. And, and they wanted to find out, okay, is Pluto just like this piece of ice that's floating off into the abyss? Or is there any history or any possibility, evidence that there at one time there was life or whatnot on Pluto? So they spent X amount of money. I mean, X, I mean you, you, you name it, they spent everything they had to just launch this mission to Pluto. And if you search Google image Pluto uh, images, you'll see some amazing pictures of Pluto that would have never been, been uh, accessible to us years ago. 
This is an amazing, amazing um, 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 exploration or an amazing discovery, I should say. But that same week, a very disgruntled person walks into a populated area, takes out a gun, and begins to take people's lives. And all I heard that week, that same week, as people celebrating us going to Pluto, all I heard about this other situation was the fact that there was not enough money in the budget to provide services for people that were having issues in their lives. None. And I thought to myself, how ironic is this, that we are willing to spend so much money to reach out of this world, but we are so afraid to search deep within. Because... There's some things here that haven't been discovered yet. There's some things here that we suppress. There's some things here that we don't want to surface, so it's just best if I just kind of leave them dormant and pretend like they don't exist. But can I tell you something? 2,000 years ago, heaven launched the most expensive search party. And the person that came from beyond Pluto, from the furthest of all kingdoms, said it means more to me to draw so close to them and help them realize the potential that they have. So this woman is brought to Jesus and her life is a mess, but she has no idea that God has used her mistakes as a fishnet to bring her to him. And she, and she is about to hear words that will restore life into her body and into her spirit unlike she's ever felt before. She is about to experience true peace. You see, the word peace, it comes from a word that simply means when something that was out of, something that was broken Something that was out of place has been restored back into place. There's peace. So in our homes sometimes, we wish there was peace. Everyone has an attitude. Everyone is this and that. But as soon as people start to see eye to eye and we start to actually have a conversation, guess what? There's peace. Why? Because how God designed it, the home, it's being restored and that's true peace. Things that were broken are being healed. Well, on the day that they wake Jesus up because he's asleep in the storm, they wake him up and they say, we're going to perish. Don't you care? He stands up and he rebukes the winds and the storms and the waters and he says, peace be still. Guess what he did? He looked into the world that was broken and he fixed it. Peace. This woman is caught in the very act of sin. Something is out of whack. Something has gone wrong in her life. There is a glitch in the matrix, if you will. There's a glitch in the software called humanity that has been downloaded into her system. And for whatever reason, she's making bad choices. For whatever reason, she's going back to the same tendencies and the same struggles and the same problems. For whatever reason, it's reoccurring, reoccurring, reoccurring. And all of a sudden, she's face-to-face with God looks at her and says, where are your accusers? I have no idea. Well, neither do I accuse you. Go and sin no more. Here's what's powerful about that. 
is that, is that he doesn't say to her, he doesn't say to her, or your accusers, I have no idea. He doesn't say to her, he doesn't say, um, okay, well, I'll tell you what. For the next 77 days, you need to seven hours a day pray seven prayers, walk around this rock seven times, say my name 77 times, and then after you do that, then I'll tell you what to do. Doesn't do that. He just says, go and sin no more. Why? Because he has to trust that she understands the price of this search party. The significance of what could have happened had he not been there at the right time. He has to trust that she knows that if it was not for him, she would have died. She has to trust that she will respond with her entire life and walk in integrity and honor for the rest of her days. Go and sin no more. She becomes one of his greatest disciples. Why? Because she's living a life where she's responding to the fact that she is grateful that someone came looking for her when everyone else had forgotten about her. How many in this room here today can say, Jake, I remember what it was like to be so lost. I remember what it was like to be, to be so lost. And, and, and I was, I mean, there was talk about, you mentioned a glitch in the matrix. I mean, there was, there was a couple of glitches going on. And I didn't even know I was lost. But then all of a sudden, all these circumstances and situations started happening. And everything I started touching started to break. And all hell began to break loose. And then all of a sudden, I thought to myself, man, the only option I have left is to get down on my knees and look up to the heavens and give God a chance. Can I tell you something? That search party mission accomplished. You're here today in the presence of God. You're here today being used by God. You're here today in conversation with God. Because all that matters to God is that you remember who you are. Here's what's powerful is that um, Jesus takes his fingers and he begins to write in the dust. This is very, very frustrating. It is, it is, and this is why, because of all the things, of all the places that Jesus could have wrote something, he had to write in the dirt. The wind's going to blow, erase what he wrote. I mean, I mean, it would have been amazing if he would have wrote on a rock, and it would have been at the Smithsonian, the rock that he wrote on, and we would all be able to go see Jesus wrote this on the rock. But that's not what happens. He takes his finger and he begins to write into the dirt. What is he doing? He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. In the beginning of time, he looks at the dust of the earth. He takes his, God takes his hand and God begins to carve his image into the dust. Form his image out of dirt. And here you have Jesus, the right hand of God, Reaching from the spirit world into the material world. And every single lesson and parable that Jesus teaches, he is carving God's image back into our story. It's amazing. This is a search party that heaven launched 
that cost the king his life. This is a search party that heaven lost that caused angels to stand at attention, I imagine, confused and perplexed. What is man that you are mindful of him? You created us a little lower than the angels, but yet you crown them, you crown them with glory. What is it about these, these, these people? And he embraces us with a love that we can never, ever un- imagine. We are in this room here today because heaven launched a search party to find us. Some of us are in this room right now. You're in the process of undergoing the search party, and now you're starting to get a little bit of insight as to what's going on in, 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 in your world, what's happening in your world. And can I tell you that you are right on time for an amazing conversation with God that will forever change your life. Amen. So here's what we're going to do. Um, I'm going to invite us all to stand. We can all stand to our feet. I want to read this passage of Scripture in the book of Isaiah, chapter 44. And this is going to be um, the last passages of scripture in Isaiah 44. Let me pull them up here. Isaiah 44, verse number 28. And then we're going to go into Isaiah 45 here in a second, verse number one. But let's read Isaiah 44, verse number eight. I'm verse number um, 28. It says, When I say of Cyrus, he is my shepherd. He will certainly do as I say. He will command, rebuild Jerusalem. He will say, restore the temple. This is amazing uh, poetic prophecy about a king named Cyrus. Lived um, in the later years of the 400s B.C. Died about 530 B.C. around there. Um, I'm sorry, he lived, well, he died 530 B.C., Um, This is an amazing story because this is a prophecy about Cyrus. Cyrus, who is not Hebrew. Cyrus, who does not know the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, has no clue who God is. Then the next passage of Scripture that we read here in Isaiah 45, verse number 1, it says... This is what the Lord says to Cyrus, his anointed one, whose right hand he will empower. Before him, mighty kings will be paralyzed with fear. Their fortress gates will be open, never to shut again. This is what the Lord says. I will go before you, Cyrus, and level the mountains. I will smash down gates of bronze and cut through bars of iron, and I will give you treasures hidden in the darkness, secret riches. I will do this so you may know that I am the Lord, the God of Israel, the one who calls you by name. Here's what's amazing about this. is not only is Cyrus not familiar with the God that's, that's calling him by name, but he happens to walk into the regions of Jerusalem towards the end of the years, of his years here on earth. And one of his, one of his, his uh, military generals brings to him a scribe. And says, here's a book, here's a scribe 
of the Hebrews. It's, it's their Bible. It's, 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 their, it's their religion. And he says, that's awesome. That's nice. And he says, you don't understand. Your name is in the prophecy. Cyrus takes the time to read this letter that was written 120 to 150 years before Cyrus was ever born. And he opens this letter and he begins to read and it's God saying, hey Cyrus, it's me, God. You don't know me right now, but you're going to know me. And I have set this entire situation up to bring you to a place of destiny and promise. You want to know what Cyrus does? He says, I'm convinced you're God. He rebuilds everything that was torn down. Heaven launched a search party for Cyrus long before Cyrus was ever born. Can I tell somebody in this room, heaven has launched a search party for you long before you ever knew anything about God. God knew everything he needed to know about you. You just have to lean into it with courage and be willing to pay the price, whatever it takes, whatever it takes. Because in life, we do not get our intentions, we get our disciplines. We get our disciplines. So these are walking disciples of Jesus that we read about. They are walking disciplines of Jesus. So they walk on water. They preach the message of hope with conviction and authority. Why? Because they have been found by God. There are people in this room here today that are about to be found by God. Amen. Can we raise our hands all across the room? Lord, we give you our lives, we give you our heart, we give you our soul. We live for you alone. Every breath that I take and every moment I'm awake, I live for you, God. I give you everything that I am because you found me. 